Welcome to the RBT mini-series presented by the BT Focus podcast. As we walk you step-by-step with the second edition RBT task list on your path to certification and elevating your practice. Hello and welcome back to another RBT task list edition of the BT Focus podcast. I'm joined again by Taj Campbell. How you doing, Taj? I'm doing great. Happy Friday, everyone out there. And happy Friday. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, so happy to have you back, Taj. And we are joined by a, a new guest, Logan Worser. Logan, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. So if it's okay, I want to do a brief introduction with you, Logan, to introduce you to our listeners. And like Taj, you too are an RBT. And would you mind sharing with everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do at Centria? Yeah, no problem. So I've been with Centria for three and a half years now. I've been an RBT for three years. Currently, I am one of the technician trainers. So I do a lot of capstone training right before everyone gets started out on their cases. And I'm planning on taking the BCBA exam in June is when it's scheduled. So hopefully I'll be a supervising clinician within the next year or so at least. So Absolutely. And can I ask, where did you attend graduate school? Yes, I went to Western Michigan University, graduated in December. So go Broncos. That's right. Well, that was a very leading question. And I had to ask because I too am a very proud Western Michigan alum. Yeah, there is just tremendous faculty. So that was a shameless plug. So (laughs) thanks for humoring there. And anyone listening who's in the Metro Detroit or Kalamazoo area, I'm just saying, check it out. So no, that's fun. Well, thank you, Logan. We're so happy to have you here today and Taj, you as well. We are going to continue our discussion through the RBT task list. We just completed A2 and A3. So we're going to pick up right where we left off on A4. All right. So A4, implement permanent product recording procedures. So Permanent products, what are we talking about here? So let's start off with a definition, then we'll jump into some examples. So uh, a permanent product is any sort of recording of a uh, tangible item or environmental effect that is a result from a behavior. Some examples of it would be uh, a test, worksheet, assignment, something that has a lasting effect that you can see after that behavior has occurred, right? I'm thinking back to my practice, some examples of permanent product recordings, working with some learners that are maybe grade school age and working on some academic type skills and and being able to build up those repertoires. So number of sentences written, number of math problems performed. Logan, can you think of any examples from your time in the field of when permanent product came into play? Yeah, I would say also with like pre-academic skills, I did a lot of like matching worksheets with earlier learners. So matching non-identical and identical objects on a worksheet, getting those prerequisites, you know, holding a pencil, using those materials to work on worksheets in a sitting workstation. So uh, a lot of worksheets like that for permanent product recording. Sure. Absolutely. Taj, how about yourself? You know what? I had actually been racking my brain trying to figure out if I had any examples to give where I've used permanent product recording, but I 
haven't, but I can see how that would be a, a very beneficial tool to use when recording data. Absolutely. And you bring up a good point, Taj, because not all clients might have some of the prerequisite skills to produce some sort of permanent product, or or maybe it's not relevant to that treatment plan at that phase yet. You know, with early learners, you know, where you're doing a lot of more trial-based teaching and discrete trial instruction, you might not be at, at that stage yet where you're more incorporating um, some of those more permanent product recordings. But thinking back to work with you know adolescents and teens and some of our older learners that are more advanced, and it would certainly be a time where that could be relevant to their treatment plan. So it's a good point. It, it might not apply to every learner, but great thing about the task list is it's providing you with an array of skills that you might be coming in contact with out in the field. So yeah. great. Well, let's talk a little bit more about what are some of the advantages of permanent product recordings. So we might use a permanent product recording when, for one, maybe there's not enough time to continuously observe that behavior. So one of the benefits is that task can be performed and then you can reflect on it after the task itself has been completed. So, you know, thinking about let's review what you've just done, right? And it doesn't necessarily require that continuous intensive instructive in that moment in some cases, right? So it leaves that lasting impact. To that point, another thing is that it ensures accuracy, right? Because it's not some sort of transient change. Sometimes it can be really difficult in the moment to record a behavior, especially let's say like a high frequency behavior. Like, oh man, how many instances of the you know maybe self-stimulatory behavior occurred or how many how many sign language mans were emitted in, in an hour, right? You have to be really on the mark to record that accurately. One of the advantages of permanent product recordings is you can reflect on it after the fact, right? But that being said, there can be some disadvantages as well. So you have to kind of weigh those out. Some disadvantages is it doesn't allow for that moment to moment treatment decisions to be made during the session because that data is analyzed after it occurs. So there is somewhat of a trade-off um, when it comes to that permanent product recording. Now let's jump right into the tips and then we're gonna do some practice questions, all right? So here are just a couple tips for permanent product recordings. Some things you might wanna include on that data sheet. The date is important, right? So that it allows us to evaluate the effects over a period of time. I'm thinking about, you know, maybe we're working on math facts and we are calculating the percent accuracy of a multiplication table. And we want to see how do we do the beginning of the month? How are we doing right now? And obviously that, that date dimension is a really important one. So you can see the treatment effects over time. Then next, depending on how, what dimension of that behavior recording, making sure that you're recording the number of times the behavior occurred. So it could be the number of questions answered correctly, the number of sentences written. Logan, you're talking about working on some matching worksheets, the number of items matched correctly, right? It can take a lot of different forms depending on what skill is being taught. And then another important thing that's good to keep in mind as well is that when we're using this, we want to make sure that the conditions are about as equal from one instance to the next. So to use that math example again, one of the skills that we'd like to teach in ABA is known as fluency. Fluency is accurate responding with speed. So for example, it's really good that you can 
tell me what's three times three, but it's a lot better if you can tell me three times three is nine right away, right? So if we're using permanent product recording, it's important to know how much time did they have to complete this activity from one day to the next, right? If there's some sort of time pressure or you had 10 minutes to complete 10 problems one day and one minute the next, that could have a definite impact on, on responding. So a couple important things to keep in mind when it comes to that. Logan, any reflections or takeaway from you in terms of some of your experiences with permanent product recording? I think one, it depends on what part of the behavior you're really focusing on, I think. So if you're really focusing on, you know, increasing the amount of problems completed or something, permanent product recording would be perfectly fine. One instance I was thinking of, I had a client, we were working on maze completion, but the major focus was more on staying calm, like emotional regularity during the completion of the maze versus the actual accuracy of completing the maze. So for in that case, permanent product recording probably wouldn't be ideal since, again, we're not getting that context of how the behavior is occurring if we're recording it after the fact. So that was one example that really stuck out to me where probably wouldn't use permanent product recording for that instance. Absolutely. As you were saying that, Logan, you brought up such an important point that I'm so happy that you did. And it's this concept of the difference between reinforcing the process of something versus the product of something. Two totally different things, right? So for example, think about long division. Think about all the steps that go into completing a long division fact. And in a single in a single long division equation, there could be nine different steps that have to be completed to get the entire product correct, right? So if we were only providing reinforcement based on the product, there could be times where maybe that learner did nine out of 10 steps correctly, but they missed one component of it. That's a missed opportunity for reinforcement. So that's a really important point. When you're when you're evaluating the use of a permanent product recording, think about what are all the other component steps that maybe we're missing that's important to point out as well. So well said, Logan and Taj, I want to kind of flip this question on you as well, because we were talking earlier about, you know, you have to have certain skill repertoires or be working on certain skill domains for permanent product to be relevant. Are there any programs or skill that you're working on right now that maybe wouldn't lend itself well to a permanent product recording? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Social behavior mapping. So anything from conversation skills, uh, social skills, social interactions. With my younger kiddos, receptively identifying objects in that moment, expressively identifying objects. So a lot of my programs I'm working with right now overall deal with moment-to-moment recording. Yeah. And what you're just describing perfectly, Taj, is some of the behaviors that we work on are so dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. Like they really truly have to occur in 3D, if you will. Um, And that's actually something that we see in a lot of programming. I'm thinking about to early learners working on a match to sample. We often will start with a 2D, match this picture of a red car to another picture of a red car. And then it's, all right, match this physical red car to another physical red car. And the same could be said with social skills as well. You know, in the beginning, we might have to teach a learner how to identify or how to label what a 
a mad face or a sad face or a frustrated face looks like in 2D, then where that gets extended and generalized and is made most relevant is, can you tell when your friends are maybe feeling sad or upset? Can you tell when your friends are are maybe feeling a little bit bored and might want to change the subject of this conversation? So certainly, I, I think that permanent product recording are a tool in the toolbox, right? But certainly, it's it's not the the only application. It should be taken into account to all of these different recording types that we're going to continue to explore as we move on. So thank you for that, Taj. Thank you. All right. So, Logan, we, we have a scenario here, um, a little vignette, if you will, about when a permanent product recording might come into place. And it's this cleanup scenario. Could you walk us through this scenario and, and how permanent product recording might come into play? Yeah. So, okay, let's say you have a client. Your BCBA has added a cleanup program. So you're working on increasing the client skills on independently cleaning up their toys or whatever it may be at the end of session. This could be a lengthy process. So, you know, maybe you're not able to sit and take data the entire time. So permanent product would be a really good option for measurement. So here you would look at the number of opportunities, how many toys are out for the client to clean up. And then as they're cleaning up, the end of the session is nearing, you check to see how many toys are left. So let's say there were 10 toys originally, and then there's three toys remaining. So you would take 10 minus three, that means the client cleaned up seven, that was the number of times the behavior occurred. And then you could take the number of occurrences divided by the number of opportunities and get a percentage. So they cleaned up seven out of 10, 70% of their toys for that session. That's great. Yeah, that's a that's a perfect example of, you know, having some sort of lasting effect that's able to be measured. It also made me think of, I think something that's like closely related to product recording or as a type of permanent product recording, which is a self-checklist. Think about how many times I, I live by checklist. And I think of like skills that we're working on where, you know, maybe we're trying to teach more independent living skills or self-care skills and the importance of having a self-hygiene routine. And so I've worked with clients where we've had some really quick and effective checklist tools. Maybe it goes on the mirror in the bathroom of this morning, I, I brushed my teeth, I washed my face, I combed my hair. And, and that's a permanent product recording as well. Those, those SDs, those cues in the environment are a great way to evoke some behavior. And man, it, I would truly be at a loss without my reminders app and my my planner and things like that. So permanent product recording really helps keep me on track and uh, it's great to see it applied in therapy. So thank you for that example, Logan. Well, let's conclude with just a couple of, of test um, questions, scenarios of how you could expand upon the skill in a more of a multiple choice scenario. I'm going to kick it off. So the first one is, which of the following is an example of a permanent product recording? A, the number of assignments crumpled up. B, the number of pens or pencils thrown about. C, the numbers of items broken. D, a photograph of some property destruction. Or E, all of the above. Taj, let me pitch this one to you. Which of the above would be an example of a permanent product recording? I want to go with all of these. What makes you go with all of them? Walk, walk me through kind of your thought process for that. Well, if you were to look Let's say I was, uh, I'm was i coming back in to observe the environment, and I can see that there are assignments you know, ripped or destroyed. 
compared to the number of assignments that are probably still intact. And same with the number of pencils thrown and the number of items broken. So I can get, kind of observe all of these things in the environment that have been, you know, possibly been a consequence of some sort of behavior to the things in the environment that haven't been destroyed by the client or haven't been broken or thrown. So I would say these are all measurable and observable things that I can look at tangible to what I'm seeing. So I'm still going to have to go with all these things. Yeah. Can we, can we pull the audience? I, I would have to agree with you, Taj. Logan, E all the above. Are we locking it in? Yes, I agree. I think all of these <laughs> are um, tangible products that you're looking at after the behavior occurs. So absolutely, well said. And that's that's the key thing, right? Is what what left a a tangible, measurable product following the behavior itself. So well done, Taj. You're one for one. Great job. All right, next one. <laughs> Perfect. Next one, Logan. What is a permanent product recording? Is it a the process for documenting the number of times a behavior occurred when measured directly. B, is it an observation around a behavior as it occurs? Is it C, is it recording a tangible item or environmental effect that result from a behavior? Or D, measuring all instances of a type of response uh, that is observed during an observation? So I'm going to go with C on this one. Since we talked about the product, that tangible item or environmental effect, that's a result of the behavior. So we're looking at it after the behavior occurs. Very good. Very good. Well, two for two. Well done, team. I, I think that the examples provided in our discussion today really touch on like a broad array of different types of permanent product recordings and some advantages and considerations for each. So well done. Well, let's wrap up this episode. And I, I want to ask a question that I'll share with each of you. What is one exam study tip that you might share from your own experience to somebody that's preparing for the exam? Logan, what are your thoughts? I think really just reviewing that RBT task list, making sure you understand each of the components on there. I also joined ABA study group on Facebook. They have a lot of mock exams. So that's something I really like to do, mock exams, see where I'm at, and then look closer at the questions I didn't get correctly and try to dive into those concepts. So, Awesome. Has anything you would add to that? For sure. Yes. So to piggyback off of Logan, yes, definitely utilizing the RBT task list. I also went ahead and I, I pretty much put everything in my arsenal. I reached out to my supervising clinician. They ended up giving me mock exams. Definitely reaching out to your team, to other fellow BTs. Uh, who might be in the same boat with their exam. So just utilizing all of these things at your disposal are really going to help with your exam taking process. Wonderful. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, I think that your strategy of treating the task list like your study guide, mm -hmm. right? And using these resources to identify what are the areas that I need to focus on? If you're taking a pretest and you're finding that you have, you know, a couple areas and, and a couple different spots, well, let's let's really turn up the heat in those areas and, and let's get to a point of fluency, right? Where we can describe some of these terms in our own words. We can explain them to a friend or to a peer and you can apply them in these scenarios. And, and the last thing I'd say is just 
subscribe to the BT Focus podcast and we'll, we'll, we'll walk you through it. Well, thank you, Logan and Taj, for thank your you. time this morning. And I look forward to many more conversations to come. And yeah, I, I look forward to next time. Yeah, same here. Having us. Thank you, Logan. Yeah. Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. Cool. Thank you for joining us for this special RBT mini-series edition of the BT Focus podcast. We look forward to joining you next time as we continue journeying through the second edition RBT task list to help you elevate your practice and learn more about the science of applied behavior analysis.